When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The award-winning Crunch Time. They're in all sorts of trouble, Hawthorne. Marshall gathers a little slip around the body, top of the square, streaming goal, and it's Finn Lason, four for the quarter. Pass now to Dacos, Nick has given out wide, chose chose to have two bounces, hand pass back to the goey, a little one-two with the goey, here's Dacos, 50 metres out, open goal awaits the Collingwood Army behind, raise the floggers and the flags, and the pies go back to back. The only power outage at Adelaide Oval came from Hawthorne in the first half. Ken Hinckley's men now flying with nine wins in a row, while the pies get it done in the west, but not without their own concerns. Jordan Dugowie facing a stint on the sidelines. Really bowled over everyone. Ball spilled out to Ainsworth. Inside 50 kick, it's one-on-one. Lacocious, he'll win the grand level ball. He'll roll it home. Jack Lacocious, if you don't mind, he's kicked three. Berry tackled to the deck by Jones. Spills to Murphy. There's the first for the term, and the Crows have the lead. Holman's got the loose crumb. They're going to get another goal here. The Gold Coast, Lukosius in the goal square. Five. He loves Darwin. Five-eye again for Jack Lukosius. The siren sounds for full time at TIO Stadium in Darwin. Famous victory for the Suns, keeping their 2023 season alive. A successful fortnight in the top end. The Suns walking away with eight points. Jack Lukosius with ten goals. He'll join us to unpack it all this hour. A little floating kick going away from goal. Isaac Smith couldn't take it. Cameron got a handle. Tom Stewart's come a long way. Tom Stewart's been doing everything except that. What a goal from Tom Stewart. And they come from everywhere. His fourth career goal in game number 137. Ollie Henry, that is just an exquisite snap on the right. And for a late one, Eugle Hagen from 51. It's a siren sounds, and the Cats have put a stop to a three-game losing streak to make it five in a row against the Bulldogs at Marble Stadium on a Saturday night. The Cats steady their season at 6-6 six and six with the bye and cavalry to come. The Dogs not just losing, but losing touch with the top four. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Yes, a warm welcome to the Round 12 edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Sarah Ollie, Tom Morris and Josh Jenkins to unpack it all across the next two hours. Sun star Jack Lukosius. He is a man on fire. He is going to join us. And ahead of the Giants and the Tigers match, we'll speak to Giant CEO Dave Matthews. Morning, Tom. Morning, Sarah. Morning, Josh. Uh, Jack Lacocious. What a footballer he's become as a forward for the Gold Coast Suns. I'm looking forward to chatting to him. I think Josh Jenkins actually used to coach him, so we'll ask him about <laughs> Are that. Are you taking credit there, Josh? Uh, no, I can't, possibly. Uh, it's been a slow burn for him, though. He's been yeah. down back, on a wing. He's... Um, 
He's got the the skill set to play anywhere, so I think that's what's been the the issue for him. In a sense, he's been unsettled. So yeah, looking forward to asking him about settling down in that sort of third tall hybrid role. He certainly benefits from having Ben King and Levi beside him. So uh, yeah, he was on fire, and geez, he loves playing up north. All right, let's kick it off with a Sunday snap. Who gets the first snap this week? Oh, <laughs> there, there we it go. is. Who gets the first one? <laughs> That's you, Tom. That's oh, me. My Sunday <laughs> snap. I don't think enough gets made of this. Jack Crisp, 200 games in a row. In a row. It's quite remarkable. I think it's probably one of the more underrated modern feats in the game. Um, it extends back to his time at Brisbane. Others who have played 200 games consecutively, Sarah, your boy, Brett Kirk. Um, thanks, Basil. Wow. Jack Titus, Very durable. 202. Adam Goods. 204, Adam Uzo, 226, and Jim Stein's 244. So in a month or in five or six weeks, he should be number three on this list, Jack Crisp. It's quite incredible to have that sort of durability given the way the modern game is played, yeah. Josh. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, I was looking for a bit of a pattern with that list, but there was a Ruckman in there. <laughs> Adam Good's played everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Crisp is not a, if you think that many games in a row, you think maybe a winger. Who yeah. you know is out away from like Adam Uze sort of flanker type. Yeah, but Jack Crisp plays you know half back, plays on ball a fair bit at the moment, so he's around contest. So yeah, quite remarkable. That's um yeah, it's a good one, Tom. It's a great effort. It's one of the better trades as well in getting Jack Crisp because he <laughs> yes. came along with pick five, mm. and pick five ended up being Jordan Dugowie. Wow, and we'll so talk about him a bit later we on will. as well. He's we in will. the news for the wrong reason. Who went reasons. the other way, Dame Beams? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's good knowledge. And the Dane Beams came back, didn't he? He did indeed. You can look back on these trades. I mean, that's great off-season fodder. You can look back on these trades and see who won and lost them for days. Um, that's certainly one that benefited Collingwood. Is it your snap now, Sarah? Yeah, I'll do my snap. And mine's a little bit different this morning. Let's just listen to this audio. This is from Wednesday night in Druin. This is Ryan Marrick, who was pick one in the mid-season draft. Oh, it means a lot. I've worked very, very hard to get in. Yeah, it's all happened very quickly. So, yeah, just off the back of a lot of hard work. I've sort of dreamed about this for a while, but to finally get read out to, hasn't really felt real until now. So, yeah, very emotional. So, yeah, I didn't, like, once I, like I said, I didn't think it'd be real until I got my name read out. And then I thought it'd be fine, composed, and then sort of just broke down, I guess. And, yeah. Very emotional, just so over the moon, so happy, so can't wait. Two years ago, if I said to you that you would be on an AFL list, would you have believed me? Oh, absolutely not. I thought, yeah, <laughs> I'd say you're stupid, I guess. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, it's crazy how far I've come in such a short period of time. So I'm just so happy. So A little whack at me there, but that's okay <laughs> from Ryan because it was a really emotional night. And I think for some people, the mid-season draft, it is quite niche. But I tell you what, being in that room when his name was read out, there was nothing niche about it for Ryan Marrick and his family. He goes over to the Eagles and he was speaking then about how he wouldn't have thought he would be on an AFL list two years ago. That's because he weighed 24 kilos more than he was wow. 107 kilos. He's Whoa. now 83 in great shape and wow. he goes over to West Coast. He'd never been to Perth before prior to getting on the plane. But I just thought it was a really good salient reminder of some of the stories that we have in football and, you know, who knows if Ryan Marrick's going to play one mm, game, mm. 100 games, who knows? But he gets his boyhood dream realised and I just think there's something cool about it. And we have seen some pretty good yeah, steals when yeah, it comes yeah. to the mid-season draft, Josh. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Um, I met the uh, young man or 25-year-old the Cats picked up, Mitch Hardy, yesterday at mm. training in the morning. And um, it's quite remarkable. It's a whirlwind for them. And I think 
there is a very good case to be made for the 18-month contract, yep. not the six. Yep. And then I think you can, because I think the counter to that is, oh, well, clubs won't use it. Well, I think you could, you can mandate over a two- or three-year span, you have to use a mid-season draft pick. So I think that is worthwhile in that. We took a guy, Zane Williamson, last year from the Eagles and then delisted him at the end of the year. So I can, that's pretty hard, but it's a ruthless business as well. So not until you get them in do you know whether they're going to make it. But they are great stories. So that was very good, uh, a very good bit of audio there. If you want to go in the mid-season draft and play a game soon after, West Coast is the club, isn't yeah. it? They've well, got I, so many injuries. I was injuries. going to say, Your more injuries chance. yesterday. He will probably play yeah. this week. I actually said to Mitch, a, a, a strongly built midfielder, I thought you probably should be at Marvel yeah, uh, yeah, last yeah. night instead of at training in the morning. But it's a, it is such a whirlwind for them. Uh, our young man's living in a hotel at the moment and you're trying to meet everyone. So uh, it's a tough thing for them. And it is a pretty quick, you know, it gets to the end of the year quite quickly, doesn't it? And and they've got to make the clubs are going to make a decision on the player off not a lot of information. So sometimes some, they sign eighteen month deals, though, don't they? I think they have to um, nominate what they want. nominate. Yeah, you can and then, nominate the terms for eighteen months. Do we know what he did? He did eighteen months. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. So he yep. gets more of an opportunity yeah. to get into the system. And I think I they guess, all should get that. I totally yeah. agree. But Your then, Sunday snap. Uh, mine is sorry. Mine is the the Crows are not quite ready. Okay. I, I put a big onus on mm. their performance last night. I thought it's a, it was a it was a road game and a big scalp somewhat. Gold Coast aren't necessarily considered a big scalp. But going up there, I thought they're right for the picking. They would have internally made a lot of the fact that they've been awesome at home and pretty average on the road. Mm. Go on the road, get a look at Gold Coast, who were on the back of a pretty emotional win last week. I thought they were, that game was right there for Adelaide and a quarter of the game in, I thought, oh, here we go. I'm yeah. a genius. They're a genius. They're going to win the game and they get <laughs> rolled. And that's probably worse, to be honest, yep. because they put themselves in a position to win the game. So to me, I've heard people say that they can win a premiership this year, but I don't think they're ready. They might mm-hmm. scrape in the eight and that'll be a tick for sure, but they're not ready. They're not quite ready. I was like you. I went the early crow yesterday <laughs> whilst watching mm. Adelaide because I've been really – big on the Crows, but you're right. They haven't really been able to do it away from home. They look like they're almost unstoppable when they're at home and they've got the crowd yeah, behind they feed them. Off that. Yep. But they're 35 points up last night. You should not be losing that game, Tom. Well, they've lost four of their five games away from home and the one they won was by three points against Hawthorne in Tasmania. So my question to you, Josh, is are they playing above themselves at home and below themselves away, or is their true mm. value actually at Adelaide Oval and they're well below it away from no, home? I think the I think the former. They're both both are accurate. They play above themselves at home. Yeah, they're clearly a five goal better team at home because they gap. they also they win contested possession at home by a lot, and then they lose it by a lot on the road. So that's mm. to me, you got to break down contested possession like loose ball gets and uh, aerial contests. So they're clearly feeding off the energy of the crowd. At home, and then when they don't have that natural support with them, and they've got to, I think going on the road is when your professionalism is really tested its most because you've got to actually lock in, you've got to create your own energy, you've got to really drive the group, um, you know, with the 23 guys who are playing. So I think that that's why I say they are not quite ready because you can't just lean on, they'll lose one or two at home in the back half of the year. It's just natural, everyone does. Are they going to be able to pick those games up on the road? That's going to be the difference between making it and not. 
and they were minus 38 for contested possession yeah. last night. Can't so win. you're not going to win a win game like if that. you're doing no. that. Yeah. Another game that was going on last night was at Marvel Stadium. The Cats 15-7-97 beating the Western Bulldogs 10-15-75. So a 22-point win to the reigning Premiers who have somewhat steadied their season now, Tom, heading into the bye. They're 6-6. Six and six. It was a pretty gutsy win given the players who weren't there last night. It's a Geelong that we're not used to seeing, a Geelong that has won, that has lost three games in a row twice this year. So the glass half empty approach is to suggest that they're probably out of it because they can't make the top four, or unlikely to make the top four. But I'm still glass half full on Geelong. I still think their best can beat anyone on their day, especially in big games at the back end of the season. Um, I'm just impressed with the way they fought this game out. I think that the way they fit for an older team to come home in the fourth quarter the way they did was quite remarkable and um, the Dogs have a bogey team in Geelong don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean they've now lost 10 of the last 12 against the Cats and uh, Tom Liberatore is naught from 11 That's against wild. the Cats so he's never actually beaten Geelong himself um, I, I was very impressed with Geelong last night I enjoyed the game 22 goal kickers in the match which is the most of any game this year it was entertaining to watch uh, an opportunity to miss for the Dogs but Josh the Cats continually show us that even if you think they might be done, they've mm. got more to give. Yeah, yeah, it was a good performance. It was a surprising performance. I didn't um, have to be there last night, so I was able to sit at home and watch yeah. it just as a neutral uh, person watching both games. And I-, I was surprised because the Dogs won everything. They won every number that there was to win except for the scoreboard, and that's the most important one. And some of the – some of the um, not barometers, but some of the, the the important role players, the elite level role players, so guys who are elite at their role. I'm talking about close, grind Myers, those types um, on the periphery. Those guys were really influential last night. Uh, I thought Tanner Bruin showed why he is going to be a very good player. And I'm keen to talk about he and Henry. Uh, uh, those first round picks who have had a couple of years at other clubs, mm. they might be the best trades of all because you trade, you get them for what they were drafted for, the same pick basically, but you have a lot of evidence that they're going to be great players. So instead of getting them at the start and you're not sure, a first-round draft pick's, I don't know, 60-40 success rate, mm. you've got two years of evidence, two years of watching them, you trade for them for the same pick basically, yet you know they're going to be good players. He last night was excellent. Not high numbers, but 12 tackles. His contest works very, very good. And Ollie Henry, you're only just seeing bits and pieces from him. But he's clearly going to be their third-tall forward. He's got a lot of talent. We saw that last year. So a lot of the guys on the periphery last night played really good footy. And I think that sets the Cats up nicely for when the stars do come back. You've seen, is it Mullen up close? O'Shea Mullen. Yeah, O'Shea I love Mullen. him. Can you, Yoshi, they can, call him. Can you tell Yoshi. us, how good can he actually be? Well, it caught me. He, now, there was conversation about playing him a, a, a while ago, yeah. and I nearly fell off my chair yeah. <laughs> because, I, you know, I don't spend much time with him. I don't sort of haven't, hadn't seen him play live in the VFL. The, the Irish guys, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sneaky athleticism that they've all got. They've all got incredible power. Um, he's, he's basically a square. If you look at him from behind, he's basically a square. <laughs> he's like physically so, a square. He's so wide and stocky and powerful. He's not that tall, though, is he? No, he's not tall. Yeah. He's square with a ponytail. He does, with a long hair. Big, yeah, yeah. He doesn't ponytail. look quick, but he's very quick. You, you go through, yeah. you get the GPS report sent to you after training, and you look, and you, well, he's in the top two or three. He was for speed. Okay. There are repeat efforts that they all have. Mark O'Connor's a really good athlete. Zach Tui's, like, powerful remarkably strong and, and good athletes, the Irish guys, and, and he's the same. And 
uh, he he's so diligent as well. That's the other thing. Those a lot of the Irish guys, Mark O'Connor can do the run with roles. They're so diligent with what they need to do Monday to Friday, and then when you give them a task on the weekend, so. He surprised me just because I haven't seen much of him. And yeah. He's only played, what, five games of Australian rules. Yeah, it's it, wild. It was pointed out on the round so far by Kane Corns how um, how well Chris Scott coached last night. Liam Jones had three disposals. None, yeah. of, none of them intercept disposals. Was that one of the things that was spoken about during the week? Well, a, a little bit. He's, he was certainly spoken about because his numbers in one-on-ones have been in, in, impressive as well, been incredible as well. But he is the one that will come forward to defend. And I saw him get there a bit late a couple of times. Yeah. So I saw him look around and, and, and wonder where his mate was a couple of times. There was one mark that Blitzarfs took on the goal line and he was looking at Oscar Baker saying, you know, where I think it might have been, it was Baker or Richards, where were you? I was waiting for the support. And I think the Cats forwards, you know, Hawkins didn't have a big night, but he's so clever. That's his greatest weapon, Tom Hawkins, his brain. And he was so clever. He clearly took uh, took Jones to positions where he was too far away to impact the next contest, but had to honour Hawkins as well. So, you know, Hawkins doesn't have a big night by the stats either. But He's it's selfless, a, a isn't he? Win. He is incredibly selfless, yeah. So yeah. some of the players that were unavailable and who will be coming back are Patrick Dangerfield, Mitch Duncan, Max Holmes, Cam Guthrie, Asava Radigalia, Gary Rowan returned last night and Reese Stanley's another one missing. So... Tom, there's plenty of upside when you consider some of those names that are still to come in. Yeah, I think I'm I'm still confident about the Cats. We say it every. I said it last week. I think I get sick of people talking about Richmond. Oh, you wouldn't want to play Richmond in a final because they can do anything. <laughs> but that that the, their star has faded. But I firmly believe that about the Cats. If the Cats if the Cats finish fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, they can still win the flag from there. They're probably the only club, maybe the Dogs. Although I'm, so you don't think they have to finish top four? I think the Cats is one is one club that doesn't have to finish top four to win the flag. No. They, they can just put, all, put it all together at once. And am I right in agree? saying, well, I still think you've got to be top four. And I think some t- sides might need to be top two. Well, I think For Brisbane, example, need, to Brisbane top two. need to be top two. I yeah. agree. But I think the Cats can beat anyone in a final the way they play now. The, the Cats of last year and this year can do that. Is that the belief at the club? Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, particularly with a, a, a heap of older guys who have been a part of it. When you've been a part of it, and it's pretty recent, you know, what, 13, 14 games ago. You've, you've, it's only natural that you're going to have that belief. And I think um, if you don't have it, you've got no chance of being able to, 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 to implement it and to do it. And when I think last night would have given the guys a lot of belief in that. Well, some evidence of, of that being possible because it's easy to say it, but when it's, you know, loss, 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 and mm. potentially four in a row, well, then you start to think, well, hang on, maybe I need to stock take and think. Yeah. Maybe we're not quite where we need to be. Maybe, you know, at some point, the one in, one out is not something I really – I don't buy into that. And Dan- Chris, Dangerfield, Chris Scott. Dangerfield going out and, yeah. you know, your next player from the VFL coming in, is that equal? No, I wouldn't no, think absolutely so. Absolutely not. So, Personal matters, yeah. But winning a game like that against the Dogs, who have been in good form, knowing you've got your captain and a few other players to come in would give that group great confidence. The Dogs' goal-kicking accuracy is a serious concern for them over the past two weeks. They lost by 22 points last mm-hmm. night and seven points in round 11 against Gold Coast. 38% accuracy across the two weeks. Their opposition, 61% accuracy. Mm-hmm. So they're not making most of their opportunities. Their forwards aren't giving the club the opportunity to win games when they should. And last night was at Marvel Stadium, so under a roof. So yeah, there's yeah. no excuse for inaccuracy. What have you made of Aaron, the discussion around Aaron Norton this week? Um, should he should he go into defence? Oh, to go back? No, yeah. no, I don't. No, not at all. That they, they don't have a need for him down back. No. I don't. I mean, they've got guys in the VFL like Alex Keith, who's a very capable AFL defender. 
Um, Darcy's on the way back. Uh, he can play forward and back. Josh Bruce can do both. Josh Bruce is playing in the VFL. He's yeah. shown that he can, you know, hold his hold his own down back. Gardner played last night. O'Donnell, I think, looks better as a intercepting player yeah. in the in the small sample size we've seen from him. He's playing third tour forward. They, their forward line, yes, inaccurate, but they don't look in sync to me. They don't make each other better, and that's what good forward lines do. They're they're all different. They're 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 synergy. Um, you, you see guys make each other better. You know, last night, Grian Myers had opportunities to kick goals and he said, oh, well, I want to bring someone else into the game. And I'm a massive believer for that. You know, when you see, and this is a small thing, but if I'm standing on the goal line and you kick it and it's going to go through and I'm not sure, I, I think that person should mark it every single time. And people say, oh, selfish. You should have let his teammate have it. Well, if Tom kicks it, I mark it and I kick a goal, we both feel good. Yeah. If you kick it, I let it go, then you feel good, but I'm not involved in the game. So I think yeah. good forward lines bring each other into the game. And the dogs forwards, they're new together, but they're just not in sync. They're not making the game easier for each other. And at times they're making it harder for each other because they're jumping into each other. You know, Jamara Hagen, who played well last night, but Lobb jumps into Norton, Norton jumps into Jamara. They don't have a lot at ground level. So they look like they need a lot of work in terms of just being a more functional unit as a forward line. They might be a side that is looking forward to having the bye and maybe just having mm. a little bit of a reset. They're at seven and four with the power to come. Last night we saw Ed Richards. He was subbed out with a hamstring injury. Mm. It's a little bit of a concern for the dogs because we know that JJ, Jason Johannesson, he also had that really high tendon injury. He's mm. out still, I think, for seven or so weeks. Ed Richards plays that kind of similar role off half back, they like his pace. Yeah, is that going to be a little bit of an issue for them? Yeah, they don't think it's as bad as what JJ's hamstring is, which is good. So he'll be back after the bye, but how soon after the bye? They'll have to wait and see. What about Adam Trelaw going off last night, throwing, yeah. throwing his mouth guard? That was bizarre. We thought he'd done his calf or his hamstring, yeah. and then it was his calf, but he came back on. I think he kicked a goal soon after as well. Um, yeah, he's a highly emotional guy. Like we've yeah. seen that, haven't we, with his trade and and all the stuff that went down with the pies. But I guess. All in all, he'll be a bit embarrassed, but he'll be more thankful than yep. anything that he's that he's okay. And he was able to. I think he was one of the leading possession winners on the ground, so it didn't affect him at all. Well, can you explain to us how the statistical dominance of the dogs yeah. doesn't lead to a win? Game style. It's just game style for them, and they around the stoppage. You know, they will take seven disposals to exit a stoppage, whereas a team who wants to kick and take territory will take two. Yeah. So that's the difference. That's why, you know, if you look at the game, Trelaw flicks it to Bont, and, the, and often a lot of the handball from a stoppage is back to go forward. So it might be bang, 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 three handballs. You lose five metres, then you get a chance to go forward. So that's why the, I, I saw the same thing. I think 10 of the top 11 were all dogs players yeah. in terms of possessions. And Geelong's highest was Stewart, and then it was way down to, to the midfielders. So it's just game style difference. And for the most part, it serves them well. But last night, they just weren't able to be. I don't think it was much about what happened around the ball. I think it was just the inefficiency of the forward line last night. The, they, the chances they got, they missed for the most part. And they also left a few out there just because that forward line's not functioning. What kind of impact does Tom Stewart have on the club? When Chris Scott speaks about him, his tone almost changes. Like he has <laughs> such a great affection yeah. for Tom Stewart. Not just the player, but the man. What's he like? What does he do for the club? Well, I think he's a great overall story of just um, the the will and the desire to be the best you can possibly be coming from a genuine local footballer to the acting captain of, you know, the reigning premiers last night. That's where he's come in six years, I think, seven years maybe. So 
Um, he's just a player who plays to win. Now, that might sound silly and everyone plays to win, but he play, he is willing to do whatever it takes to win. He prepares himself with a ruthless edge. He, he, he admits, you know, he's a, he's a selfish footballer in the sense that he'll do what it needs, what he has to do to make himself. He has to sit in the same spot. And if you're sitting in his seat, he'll say, man, I need you to move. Yeah, that's really. where I need to sit <laughs> so that I can prep myself. He's just one of those types. Whereas others will say, I don't care if I'm not even in the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just let me go out and do my thing. But he's just one of those guys who's meticulous with what he needs to do. And that, and that, you know, young guys see that and think, well, I'll take bits of this, bits of that. And, and go about it, but again, last night he was he was outstanding, and I, I imagine opposition teams spend a fair bit of time on him each and every week. Mm. Do you know what I learnt last night? What did you learn? That two thousand and six was the last time Geelong lost four matches in a row. Right. Imagine supporting wow. a club that is that consistent. They haven't gone a month losing every game. What were you doing in 2006? How old were you? I was you year nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, at school, you, you would have been in year 10. Year 10. That's what a you long doing, JJ, time ago. Yeah, memory, 2006. <laughs> I think I was trying to get a game for the Townsville Crocs, to be honest. <laughs> it's a long time ago, pre-iPhone. They're a remarkably consistent club, and we've been saying for a number of years they're going to fall off a cliff, but they just keep rejuvenating and regenerating, and... Part of this is due to Chris Scott, but there's a wider culture that transcends the coach. I think the way that um, the list management team, um, has, um, Andrew Mackey now, um, before him Stephen Wells, have rebooted this list on a yearly basis is quite remarkable. Getting Isaac Smith in, for example, mm. uh, when he was 32, 33, yeah, yep. winning a North Smith medal. Um, yeah, they're just an amazing club. Um and I don't know if they're going to win the flag this year, but I'm not ruling them out of contention next year either because they just keep bringing people in. And it's an attractive destination. And in 06, Sarah, they weren't an attractive destination. That is true. Bomber Thompson almost got sacked. They <laughs> had the good young players and they won the flag in 07 and away they went. I think they just missed finals once since then. Yes, uh, 2015. And they're still dirty on that because <laughs> Why? Uh, it was the year we were supposed to play them, Adelaide. And, of course, the Phil Walsh um, incident happened and we cancelled the game. Right, yeah, I remember so that. So there was no game. We split the points and they missed out by either half a game and Joel so oh. is still filthy. Not because of no, the reason. Say. He understands no, no, no. the reason. But he's filthy that he didn't get to play the game because yeah. they believe they would have made the finals I do remember every that. year. Yeah. <laughs> That's how competitive he is. That's been the Saturday night wrap for Werribee Isuzu Ute. Upgrade your old Ute into a D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. Werribee Isuzu Ute, they make buying cars easy. All right, plenty still to unpack on Sunday crunch time. Jack Lacocious, we are loving his form, aren't we, Tom? And he's going to join us next. Available after 10.30am. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GMW Haval and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Welcome back to Crunch Time for Zito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Sarah Ollie here with Josh Jenkins and Tom Morris. Hello, and Sarah. we've just been marvelling, Tom, haven't we, at the Suns' performance last night. They trailed by 35 points and they came back to win by 25 points. It's one of the club's greatest wins of all time, really. They kicked nine goals in a row. There's something that feels different about the Suns at the moment, Josh. Um, I know they've got talent. But they seem to – there's been a – there was a time – Talent's a dangerous word at times. It is. It's, Every, it's the AFL, Tom. Everyone's got talent. That's true. Yeah, fair call, fair call. But I just like the way that they're grinding out victories more than they were. Even against Melbourne earlier this year, they should have won that game. They didn't. I feel like the last two weeks they've really grinded out victories that maybe even three months ago they wouldn't have done. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. 
I'm bullish on the Suns. Uh, I know we like to flip in the media, and in, I think round two or round three, I said to the AFL problem child because they were Norton two at the time. <laughs> but they just um, they're playing good footy to watch. They're yeah, entertaining. Yeah, yeah and they are. It's good for the comp. They're 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 just deeper. They they've so often you know working their games and watching them play. Real Anderson Took and Wits would play ninety percent mm. as in the midfield, and you just that's what you'd see them wear out. You'd see them in front of your eyes, not be able to get to the next contest, not be able to compete on the next ball, and that's because they're playing against teams who are sending seven or eight guys through the middle, and they're playing seventy percent each. And they've been able to find a bit of depth. They're finding players who can be more consistent, who can who can really help them. They've got more and more, you know, top end talent. We see Humphrey and what he was able to do in just his third or fourth game. I like the look of uh, Euland who came. As a sub last yes. night, he looks a really tough uh, player who looks like he can he can hold down a roll down back for himself as well. So the thing that stands out to me is their depth. They just look like they are not reliant on six guys. They've yeah. got sixteen who can play well, and when you've got fifteen or sixteen who can say, "Did I play a game above or below the line?" When you've got fifteen or sixteen who are above the line, you win. And Joel Jeffrey into defence, I think that's probably a master stroke. He's actually a beautiful kick of the ball, which has allowed them to transition from back to forward better. Um, they've won five of the last seven. They should win their next two with Carlton and Hawthorne still to come. And you talk about depth, Josh. Only one son had more than 17 disposals last night. That was Noah Anderson with 28. So across the board, they were very, very consistent. And yeah. you think that they remind you of another team? Do I? What did I say? You said last <laughs> night. You said they remind you of the oh. Giants oh, in about God. 2015. Yeah, he so says a lot of things. I say a lot of things. Stacked full of talent. <laughs> I get caught up when they have a good um, uh, transition, good play, but they are they are stacked with talent and they can flick a switch. I'm not going to quite say they're like the Giants in 2015. Well, you did last night. I know, but it's in a yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not holding that completely to myself. But what I will say is they're impressive and they can play finals. Whether this is enough for Stuart Jew to keep his job, I just don't know. I don't know. I asked really? you guys to write yeah. down some words to describe mm. the Suns. Can you just read out some of these words? Because I think it shows the evolution of the team in that they're being more reliable and more consistent. Yeah. Well, I've got three words that start with S. Sexy, <laughs> slick, and seductive. <laughs> Hello. Uh, <laughs> Hello. I've got one. Steady on. <laughs> <laughs> what are your three? Um, just hold fire. Oh, because really? we have seen this before. We have, we have, we have, we have, we have. The first half of the season, we've seen them be 3-0. We've seen them be, um, you know, in a really good position. They're, they're 6-4. and four. They're in a great position. Yes, they've got two games uh, coming up that they should, at minimum, go 1-1. One one. They should Probably be 8-4 then. They should be. But we've said that before. They're in a, we've said they're in a position where they should make finals. They never yeah. have. So I think their injury list is okay. That, that's been yeah. an issue for them at different stages. Them and the Giants have seemingly had big injury lists across the, the first part of their or their, their existence, but their injury list looks okay. Ben King's back in, in full swing as well, and he's all love him. I love him. I love yeah. him. He's probably, he's probably the key forward away from uh, the two Cats boys who I love to watch the most mm. because he's so, he can do everything. And he's done it in a forward line that would be hard to play in for a long time. Now yeah. it's starting to become easier because Lukosius is playing well and Levi is playing a great role for them. He's such an astute pickup for them because he does all the grunt work. He does all the, the heavy lifting, all the heavy contests, and King can play a bit more how he wants to play, get on the move, get up, get back. So uh, loving what they're doing, but let's just hold fire. I don't think they can sack Stuart Jew if they play finals, but I can't say that for sure. But if they don't play finals... Then Damien Hardwick's 
shadow is right room, there. Is, is the spectre looming when it comes to Damien Hardwick? Well, it is, but it doesn't come from Damien Hardwick. He doesn't want to take Stuart Jew's job. No. But they'll have to make a call whether they think they're better with Damien Hardwick than they are with Stuart Jew. I thought at the start of the season or a few weeks ago that if the Suns didn't play finals, then Ken Hinckley was on the radar as well. But look what he's doing at Port. I don't think they're going to sack Stuart Jew if they keep going the way they're going for anyone, if it's not Damien Hardwick. It sort of has to be Damien Hardwick. They're not going to sack him for Ken Hinckley. feels like there's two teams who, in their heart of hearts, would probably like to look elsewhere. But <laughs> who are the other, who's <laughs> the other performances? <laughs> well, Port Adelaide oh, probably, yeah. in their heart of hearts, would like to look elsewhere. And Gold Coast, in the heart of hearts, would mm. like to look elsewhere. But the performances are uh, uh, saying, well, you can't. You just can't. But in US sport or European sport, the clubs just would. And they'd they make the would. call. Yeah. yeah well, they're, they're all the NBA coaches with the last four winning records in the NBA, all four coaches got sacked. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't all it? All four. <laughs> so we're not quite like that, which is probably a good thing. A good thing, yeah. One of the stars last night was Jack Lacocious kicking five goals. He's loving it up in Darwin. And this is what he got up to last night. Well, one of the stars last night for the Gold Coast Suns was Jack Lacocious with five goals, the second week in a row mm. that he's done that, Tom. He certainly loves it up in the top end. And he's joining us this morning. Good morning, Jack. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Talk us through last night's victory because some people are describing it as the best in the club's history. How did it feel out there? Yeah, it felt it felt pretty special. Um, we're, we're in a tough spot there. Um, start of the second quarter, down by about 30 or 40 points. So to come back and, and show some fight um, shows great belief for the group going forward. What is it about Darwin that makes you play such good <laughs> footy there? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't been here much, it's, it's, um, but it's been a great trip. We've had a good good nine or ten days here as a club and, and got a couple wins. And I think I've just been lucky getting on the end of some good work by the rest of the team. Talk to me about getting on the end of a few, Jack. You've been half back, third tall back, third tall forward, wing. You've played everywhere, but finally it looks to us and certainly the way you're playing that you are settled. So um, talk to me about, or talk to us about what it's been like trying to find that position and that role and now what it takes from week to week for you to really uh, excel in that sort of high roaming running third tall, uh, third tall forward role. Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been good to get settled probably over the past two years now. Um, I missed a heap of last year with injury, so that hurt some continuity. But to get a full pre-season training with the forwards and then now I've had a whole half a season um, and they've backed me in to play there week to week has, has been great for my confidence and my development. And um, I think myself and Ben and, and Levi and the forwards are building a good a good connection and, it, and it's working. So, um, no, I've really enjoyed... Um, being settled up forward and, and hopefully I can stay there in the future. Jack, can you take us inside the team meetings in the lead-up to the game and tell us how much was discussed about Isaac Rankin and what went on out on the ground as well? Because it seems like Ben Long was right into him the entire match and Isaac Rankin had a really quiet game, which is rare for him because he's been good all year. Yeah. Um, we actually... I, I was really disappointed. We didn't speak much about him at all. <laughs> I was kind of hoping we'd go after him a bit more and, and, and make life hard for him, but... Um, we, we stayed pretty quiet and didn't talk to him and, and Longy just went to work and got the job done. Um, so I think it was a great way to go about it. He's obviously a very dangerous player and having a great year and he's a, he's a good mate of mine. So, um, nah, it, it was great to get the win and, and see him have a quiet one, but um, he's going really well back, up, back home in Adelaide. From the outside, Jack, it looks like Gold Coast 
is in the position that it's been in a number of times before where there's optimism and you've won a couple of games and you're playing good footy and yourself and Matt Rowell and um, Tuke Miller and Noah Anderson and now Bailey Humphrey have all signed long-term deals. And in the past, or traditionally what's happened in these times is you've lost a couple of games and you've lost that momentum, but it feels different now. Does it feel different to you? Yeah, I think we're um, we feel really connected as a group. We've um, we're all we all, we all want to be here and want to succeed. The club's never made finals before, and we think we think we're in a good position now to attack the second half of the year. So we've got a playing group that are all, um, as you're saying, very committed and, and want to build it together. So the club's probably in one of the strongest places it's been, and, and hopefully we can um, hit the second half of the year running. We're speaking to Gold Coast forward Jack Lacocious. Jack, during the week, Bailey Humphrey, he signed a really big contract extension. He's going to be around until the end of 2028. What does that say about the group, that a young player comes in like that and he's so keen not just to sign a contract extension but to say, I'm here for the long haul? Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, and he's, he's an absolute freak, as you saw over the past couple of weeks. So it's pretty great that we've got him um, for, well, five or six more years. But... Um, no, he struggled a bit with a bit of homesickness in the first couple of months so to see him um, kind of turn that around and, and show some love for the Gold Coast and the team and, and our commit um, is massive. And I think that gave the group heads of energy up here during the week um, and, and definitely definitely helped them the performance in the weekend. Jackie, looks like a young player who's going to be more than a depth player, but that is something that... I think you guys have struggled with. You've had your star on ball, ballers, your three or four guys around the middle, but not a lot of depth. And the same thing up forward. It's been Ben King or Bust at different stages. And you guys are now real, really building some depth. You know, Rory Atkins has come in and had an impact, and it's been a struggle for him. Davies is doing his thing. Fiorini's been around a long time, but playing some consistent footy. Holman's game is really consistent. So now you guys must take a lot of confidence knowing that you've got a, a deeper squad and a more capable squad and you're not reliant on two or three guys uh, around the footy and arguably your best player was sitting on the bench uh, wearing a polo shirt last night. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, Bailey's been great. Stepping up kind of with, with Tuke going down and, and under Rowley and Noah. Um, so the midfield group's been awesome. But yeah, as you said, we've got great depth at the moment. Um, our VFL team would be top or right up there on the ladder and, and they're really strong. So... The club's in a good position um, depth-wise, and um, yeah, and we've got a good injury list as well, so we're we're tracking pretty nicely. Something about the injury list up in Queensland, isn't it, Sarah? Gold Coast. It's the and warm weather, I swear it is. Something about Burley <laughs> Pav up there, I reckon, just uh, makes people <laughs> stay fit to play. Um, Jack, you've got two weeks from today until your next game. That's against Carlton at the MCG on June 18. I note that the flight time from Darwin to Bali is two hour and th- two hours and thirty-five minutes. What do you got planned for the next few days? <laughs> what are you suggesting? Um, well, actually, was, was speaking to our head of footy, Wayne Campbell, when we were 0-2, I was looking at it and I said, if we're, if we're 10-2, and 2, I, might, I might head to Bali, Wayne. Um, <laughs> and they said, all right, if you're 10-2, I'll come with you. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, no Bali trips. Uh, a few boys are doing everything. Um, we've got a heap of lads staying here and doing some fishing with, with Ben Long and, and a few lads. I'm up in Darwin, but um, no, I'm, he- I'm heading back to the Goldie and, and um, yeah, just going to hang out around there. So no, no trip back to Adelaide. I know that you, you know, a lot of the, uh, well, anyone who's from a, a place in the world where they're not playing wants to get back. So you're not even needing to get your fix back in Adelaide over the four days. You're going to go back to Gold Coast and uh, and just relax there. And I guess that buy is going to come around pretty quick, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly right. And we only got Monday to Friday off and. 
as you know, in Adelaide, there's not a heck going on during the week. Um, <laughs> all, all my mates and parents, they're going to be working. So, um, no, I'm just going to stay on the Goldie and I'll get there later in the year. We've got a couple more games there still to come. So that'll be good. A little whack in Adelaide. Josh, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> whack, hey, whack, whack. hey, Jack, what was Josh like as a, as a, as a coach, an <laughs> underage coach? <laughs> um, we spent a few weeks together. I don't remember a whole lot. But, um, no, I, I, that I memorable. Good energy out, walking good energy out to the track. <laughs> good energy. There you go, Sarah. I love it. And, Jack, just on the coach, Stewie Jew, rightly or wrongly, he's always in discussions when it comes to the coaching landscape. How well is he coaching at the moment? Yeah, he's great. Um, I think he, he's got the playing group um, playing for each other, playing for him and and um, really driving standards themselves. So, um, yeah, he's got the group in a good spot and um, you can just see the passion that he's got for the club and, and us going forward. So, no, I'm, I'm really, well, I think all the boys are really happy um, playing under him. Well, Jack, we're loving watching you start 10 goals across two weeks Oof. in Darwin. I think we might need to get a few more games for you guys there. But thanks for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jack. He's an absolute ripper, isn't he? And he's in great form. Great form. Goal-kicking form. Is he a forward for good now? Has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. I think he's um, he is a player who will have times and stretches where it's uh, a bit lean because of that that role he needs to play. And I, th- I think he's still finding his way with the work rate element. He's so he's a prodigious talent. He's he's an incredible kick. We've seen that. He's a, a really smooth athlete, and I think he's. The thing that's probably been hardest for him is is just that work rate that you need to have as a as a running uh, hybrid forward. So, you know, he's kicked five three times this year. Had never kicked more than two in a game before that. So, it's all coming together for him. And I was just having a look at his profile uh, when we're speaking to him, and I'm I'm like, eighty four games. He's one hundred ninety five centimeters. He's not twenty three. Like we just expect too much because of his draft pick. Mm. Like he's just he just fits into the category of a a 6 foot 5 forward who's getting up toward that 80 game uh, that 100 game mark and and getting into the sweet spot of his career. So he's starting to do what we've wanted him to do, which is probably very unfair on us, not on him. Yeah. The Adelaide Crows were very confident that that they'd be able to get Lacocious and Rankin either in the same year or mm. a year or two apart via trades. They got Rankin and now the irony of Lukosius having signed on long-term, performing like he did against the Crows is not lost to me. He's a remarkable footballer and one that seems committed to the Gold Coast Suns for at least the next couple of years. And Isaac Rankin having one of the quieter games. First time uh, without a goal this year. Yeah. But he's been, he's been way more... I was a bit fearful for Isaac going into, from that environment to Adelaide's environment, but he's, he's outlived the hype for sure. So yeah. he's entitled to a quiet one. SEN merch is now available. JJ's got Oof. his on now. Get your exclusive Love SEN it. branded T-shirts at merch.sen.com.au. Plenty more to come. Up next, it's the News Whip. On Crunch Time, the News Whip with Tom Morris. Whip it good. Thank you. Now, uh, let's start with some MRO. Should we do that? Let's start there. Yeah, I think MRO is really good. And it uh, gets us talking about the law and order of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I like it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not exactly a smooth transition for me. But I'll do, uh, law and order SVU is one of my favourite shows, actually. Yeah, the criminal okay. justice system. Right. Anyway, um, the big MRO news from the weekend is Jordan Ngoi, Josh and Sarah, who will be sent directly to the tribunal for his high bump that concussed Elijah Hewitt. Uh, for West Coast yesterday afternoon. This will be graded as careless, 
high contact and severe impact. It's severe impact because he got concussed. We've seen that before this year. So that's a minimum of three weeks. The question is whether the AFL argues for four weeks, which is what Tom Stewart got last year with his high bump on Dion Prestia, or whether if uh, Jordan Degoe falls on his sword and accepts that it's probably just a three-week ban and pleads guilty, essentially. Which is what Nathan Broad kind of did earlier this year. He did, and he got four weeks for a tackle. What's your read on the incident, Josh? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty – it's obvious in a a season where we're dealing with a lot of uh, incidences that are hard to predict and – Sling tackles I'm talking about mainly, this is pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Yep. It's a suspension from five years ago, from seven, eight, ten years ago. Um, so, yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, I was surprised to – typically you don't hear much from anyone else. Dom mm. Sheed was pretty forthright with what he had to say, Sarah. Let's hear from him. I heard it was pretty bad and the boys – Probably didn't respond the way that we should have when when that happened. But, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, watching it back now, I think he uh, deserves a good month or two on the sidelines. It's not going to be two months on the sidelines, but it could be a month, Tom. It could easily be four weeks, which would be five weeks uh, without football to buy. Yes. Yes. Maybe Jordan to go. He could go to Bali. Oh, I don't think so. Um, This is what Adam Simpson and Craig McRae had to say on that incident after the match because – they're the two coaches. And I think what Craig McRae said was actually really mature and how he handled the situation probably gave an insight into how Collingwood will handle it at the, at the tribunal. That was a free kick. So we'll see what happens. At, it's out of my hands. Yeah, it's, it's footy. So, um, yeah, it's not the first time that's happened and it won't be the last. Not questions I really want to answer, to be honest. It's, you know, some players don't see it, some people do. Um, he's an 18-year-old playing his fourth game. Um, so, yeah, what will be, will be. Well, I'm not, not sure about concern, but it, it, is, it is what it is. Um, I'm sure the, you know, having a look at the footage of it, it'll be determined to be whatever it is and we'll just deal with it. And, you know, again, I hope the young lad's OK. Um, that's where our concern goes to. I hope he's OK and Geordie's a fair player and, um, yeah, the rules will be the rules. So to repeat, minimum three, potentially four, I don't think it will be five for Jordan to go, but either way, he's set for a stint on the sidelines, as is Liam Duggan for his tackle on Taylor Adams. When was this? Uh, this was in the second quarter, okay. I think. Now, the key with this tackle was that it was dangerous because Liam Duggan's uh, pinned Liam Duggan pinned Taylor Adams' arms, so he, and he drove him into the ground. But also the whistle had gone and Taylor Adams put up, put up his hand. He didn't want to take the advantage. His body was completely limp mm. and he still got driven into the ground. So he was completely vulnerable, defenceless. And I'd be surprised if Duggan doesn't get a week for huge, that. This is a huge one for me because I obviously get to sit on both sides of the yes. fence. And for, as long as I've been alive, as long as I've been playing footy, I've been taught to pin the arms in a yeah. tackle. Mm. Now players are getting pinged for that. So we've got to try and make that mesh because – Players are getting suspended for what they've been taught to do their whole life. Mm. That can't just change like that. So there's got to be, I don't know the answer, but there's got to be a real, a lot of uh, collaboration between the AFL and the clubs for next year and moving forward because players, it's it's hard on players, but it's also, you know, we know what's going on and we know why we're doing it, but a lot of players are getting suspended for doing what they've been taught to do their whole life. It's difficult. You can pin the arms, but you can't drive them into the ground, but then the momentum can't take you forward. It's a very much a grey area. Well, their head's more vulnerable because they've got their arms pinned. Their That's head's right. more likely versus being able to put their arm out. Yet players have been told to pin the arm, so it's a tough one. And James Harms has been given a week for his bump on Matt Cottrell on Friday night. 
I think we're going to have to bring the news whip out in the second hour too, Tom, because yeah, there is lots to cover. More whips no, the better, Sarah. And about <laughs> Giant CEO Dave Matthews. He's going to join us in the second hour. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GMW Haval and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Welcome to the second hour of Sunday Crunch Time for Ozito, powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. A very warm welcome if you are just joining us for the first time all around the country. Jack Lacocious, he was our special guest in the first hour. So if you missed that interview, make sure you jump onto the podcast and have a listen. But our special guest for this hour will be Giant CEO Dave Matthews. Of course, the Giants taking on the Tigers today. Tim Taranto facing his former side at Giants Stadium. A very good morning to you again, Josh Jenkins and Tom Morris. Yes, good to be here. Finally in the flesh too. I've been a little slack just doing uh, the show from down the highway, but <laughs> made it here for the afternoon. So looking forward to the next hour. I'm looking forward to talking to Dave Matthews as yes. well, Sarah. It is the Matthews Cup today. so Indeed. He's the CEO of the JWS Giants and his brother Simon is the GM of media at Richmond. People don't really care about well, administrations of football clubs, but yes. I'm told that uh, the, the Matthews Cup is hotly contested in the Matthews wow. ha- household. Bragging rights are on the table yes. is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a good game, actually. I'm interested to see how they play. I think the Giants are going okay, and the Tigers, well, I mean, they've got a new coach, and um, I'm interested to see what else they can get out of 2023 now that Damien Hardwick's gone. As we do in the second hour every Sunday, let's kick it off with a Sunday sermon. Now, it's time for the Sunday Sermon on Crunch Time. I've got the new ball again this week, Sarah and Josh. <laughs> you do. I'll take the reins. Football, our sport we love and occasionally lament, is the best shape it's been for 15 years. Yes, there's important issues on the outskirts of the game, namely relating to the Hawthorne scandal, concussion, if we'll ever get a permanent footy boss at the AFL. But by and large, I believe football is the most attractive it's been since Buddy and Fev split the game open in 2008. Teams are averaging 12.2 goals per game this year, the most since 2017. A bit like your Crows in 2017, JJ, attack is clearly the best form of defence. This is a welcome change after years of dour defensive footy coming up trumps. One thing I know for sure is nobody supports AFL HQ. Australians can be overly cynical in my view, and it's easy to nitpick on smaller issues. Don't worry, I've done this myself. But the stand rule has actually opened the game up. And as we saw last weekend, almost any team can beat any other team on their day. It's why the cries of the death of footy in the fabric of the game chat when the MRO call drops are grossly premature. It may sound dangerously obvious to some, but we don't say it enough, JJ and Sarah, and that is... How good is footy? How good is footy? I How agree good. with you. I am loving the standard, and that's a really nice positive note to kick off the second hour of Sunday crunch time on. What in particular are you liking, or who in particular are you liking the most? I just like the way that the teams are doing well. The, the teams at the top of the ladder are the most attacking teams. I like that the Gabba is an amazing fortress for Brisbane, and they can flick a switch because they score the quickest and they score the best. Collingwood are entertaining and attacking, and for the first time in my lifetime, I really like Collingwood. And they're, <laughs> they're easy to watch. They're good to watch. Um, and the teams that are dour, like Carlton, which quite frankly are, ext- are very difficult to watch every week, uh, are not doing well. So I think footy's in a good place because attack is the best form of winning at the moment. Yeah, it is. And I think... The most recent premierships have been won by teams. Yes, great defence, 
but they've been willing to – I think for a long time coaches have been wired to have a preference to stop a goal rather than score a goal. Mm. And that's something I've spoken about a lot until we – you know, and that's why I've spoken about incentivizing scoring because coaches are wide. Defense is coaching, right? It's team defense. 18 guys working in sync, being coached up during the week and then learning and finding a way to be able to defend as a group. Whereas offensive play, attack, scoring is more about individual flair and players doing what they've done their whole life. And I think that's why coaches generally have been wedded to defense. But I agree with you. I think we've also been prisoners of the moment. We get stuck on every game having to mean something mm. more than it actually does. You know, Last night, the dogs kick inaccurately, underperform, the cats play well. Does that really mean much for the next couple of weeks? I don't think so. But we make it out to mean a bit more than what it is and it's the any given Sunday thing and that's what I love about the NFL and that's their mantra any given Sunday anyone can beat anyone and we're not far off that we've got a couple of teams struggling but, but every Hawthorne. league every league always does even West Coast yesterday though they got yeah, within 14 fifth, points was it 14 of points. Well, there you so, go. so we've got we are close to that NFL mantra of any given Sunday or any given Thursday if we ever get it back <laughs> anyone could <laughs> beat anyone next week it's back anyone could beat anyone yeah. and that's that's we're going to have good games we're going to have bad games we're going to have games that are 120 versus 114 mm. we're going to have games that are 40 versus 50 that's the reality of sport but if we've got a competitive league and not a predictable league we're fine Collingwood, though, are the poster child for having fun and that fun affecting the way that you play football. And the comparison, as you rightly made, Tom, is Carlton at the moment. They look miserable on the field and it seems to just be feeding into everything that they do. Yeah. Carlton just looked paralysed by the fear of failure and utterly risk-averse when they have the ball. Two weeks ago, we heard Michael Voss talk about – defence and how he wasn't going to talk about attack. And that's the way it's looking with the way they're playing now. They're looking like they're so focused on defence, so they stayed in the game. But when they're looking to attack, they don't know what to do and they're not moving the ball well. This was Michael Voss after the game against Melbourne. The brutal facts. We're not good enough at the moment. So that's that's the brutal facts. Um, so we, we have to accept parts that we're not. I mean, we've played against um, you know some really good opposition and that's the feedback we've got. So um, parts of that we have to accept first before you can then move forward. Um, so I think we've done that and we're well and truly into that process of you know, getting after it, what we need to be able to do and um, it just all of it hasn't transferred yet. So that's Carlton coach Michael Voss there. Well, get a move on, get a move on to what though. Finals is clearly out of reach for them now. Do we want to talk about Carlton now? I mean, I'm happy to talk about Carlton now. They... Uh, or a football club that we talk about every week because they're not winning. But we, we knew this month was going to be difficult for them. Everyone, Every team they're playing is, uh, you know, you'd say is better than them, except for maybe the Swans, which is the game that really hurts. Mm. And they're not losing by a lot. They're not getting done by 100 points. But they've lost seven of the last eight, and the one game they have won was against West Coast. I think they're failing the eye test. That's their mm. issue at the moment. Or that's what we think is their issue. They're failing the eye test because they're hard to watch. They're making... Mm. The simple look difficult. They're missing opportunities that they should. That's not only uh, goal accuracy or shots for goal. It's just general connection. The you know the money kickers, uh, we call it the kick inside fifties poor. It's the wrong decision or it's the wrong execution. Um, you know from down back. You know guys are coming across and intercepting and making a really great decision but dropping the mark and the opposition players at ground level and kicks an easy goal. So they're failing the eye test because 
they're making the game look pretty hard for themselves mm. or they're making the game hard for themselves. And that's the part that I think is frustrating them, us and their fans. And they were 3-0 at one stage, but as, as it was pointed out by a number of people at the time, that didn't really um, you know, accurately portray where they were at as a football club. Their wins were not playing the way that good teams should be playing at the top of the ladder. I'm interested in their fixture as well, Sarah. Three Thursday night games this year, a good Friday match against North, four Friday nights, and this weekend they've got a Sunday night. So they've got a lot of prime fixtures. But I would prefer to see the Suns play in a lot of these games or some other teams get an opportunity because every time they get, an, they get a chance to play on Friday night footy against the Swans, against Melbourne, um, it's pretty unattractive to watch. Their supporters, though, are still showing up and there are a lot of Blues fans rocking up to the MCG. To see a bit of misery, it must be said, at the moment, is there a bit of misery for you at the moment, Josh Jenkins? Because you were just getting very distracted <laughs> no, on the telly. No, there's not, sir. Uh, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> the thing about the Blues is, um, they're be- to me, it's their best player. So I don't think... Tell me... Tell me a player in their top ten who's played to their capacity, not named Charlie Kerno this year. Yeah. It's hard to name one, isn't it? I don't think you can name one outside their top ten that has played to their capacity. Like last early last year, I was in love with the way they were playing around the ball. I've talked about synergy with the dogs forward line. The synergy that Carlton's midfield had straight away last year with Chera coming in and Kennedy coming in and 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 Hewitt's work around the ball and Cripps was just on fire. None of those guys uh, you add Weedering, who's been solid but not great. Yep. Last year he was great. Um, you know, even Walsh. I think Walsh's ball use has dropped off a little bit this year. He's still working his tail off, but again, he's off no preseason. That's what happens. Mackay's been down. We know that. Kerno's been curtailed a little bit over the past couple of weeks. So, you know, he's the only one, Charlie, of their top ten players, and they are a star-driven team. They're they not. A, they're not. A, they're not a foot soldier team. They need their stars to carry them. Almost all the way across the line, and that's what's not happening for them. Just imagine Michael Voss under pressure next year when he's out of contract. If you think mm. of what Ken Hinckley is like this year when he's out of contract, and they're a team that's winning, um, Voss going into his contract year next year if he keeps his job, the the pressure will be immense. Yeah. And yeah. then no matter what Carlton do, they'll be criticised. If they don't if they don't sack him and they're playing bad football. They'll look like they're treading water. If they do sack him, everyone will say, same old Carlton, you sacked Bolton, you sacked yeah. Teague, and, now you, and you've sacked Ratton in the past, yeah. and Malthouse, and you're just going through it again. There's um, ructions at board level as well. Craig Matheson resigned last week, so there's a vacancy there. Luke Says is having to deal with his whole PWC mm, drama. Yeah. So there's whole there, there is a multitude of issues at every branch of the footy club, not just at the playing the, level. The, the, the club is going to be tested because they've said – Stability is the key. Mm. So they've got to live it. Don't say it and then say, well, guess what? We said it, but he's not the right guy, so we're going to move him on. Yeah. Live it. Live what you said you're going to do. And average clubs listen to the noise, and the noise will be move him on. And Carlton feels like it's got more noise in its own coterie mirror Coder around the periphery of the club than anyone else. Them mm. and Essendon feel like the two clubs where people in the background have a large say on things. Live what you said you were going to live, and stability is what you what will get you through. Give him three or four or five years. Don't you, we've been down this road with David Teague and with others at that club. Mm. Moving the coach on won't solve all your issues. They're suffocating from this expectation of finals. Yes, if every conversation around Carlton it's linked to playing finals. Patrick Cripps has never played in a final, but it's actually putting more pressure on the club. And you mentioned David Teague. We spoke to him. Was it last week? Yep. Tom, and he said, you know, when he was 
coaching that he wished that he had heard the words solidarity and yeah. kind of sticking yeah. together. I heard that. Because it was a great chat with him and I'm, I'm close with um, Teague and I you know, spoke to him a lot when he was the coach and interim coach and then when he was moved along as well and, and he said the same to me, you know, he just wanted a chance to, it takes a long time. We talk about players needing 50 or 100 games. Yeah. Well, why don't coaches need that? Why, why, don't, why are coaches any different? Like you give them two seasons, three, give a coach three seasons, it's 66 games. Is it truly enough to get everything that you want in place. I'm talking about your personnel beside you, the coaches you want, some of the fitness staff you want, the players to play the way you want them to play, the players you actually want. But mm. that stuff takes time to accumulate and get together. So um, I think they need to just practice what they preach. And Damien Hardwick's uh, – the evidence of Damien Hardwick would suggest that they need more than three seasons. And Simon exactly. Goodwin's the same as well. Um, uh, Carlton is in a situation where – they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Mm. Brian Cook was on the radio a few mm. weeks ago saying it's not not, um, not the end of the world if Carlton don't play finals. So we're talking about expectations there. He's not really levelling high expectations at all. Yet there's also people that say if you don't level high expectations, then what is this football club doing? So they're in a position where the bottom line is they're just playing poor footy on a weekly basis yeah. and the whole club's under the pump. And I lo- Look, I like what... Cookie said. Now I know Did Cookie, you? not super well, but I know him from my time there. Because if if you build everything up to your point, Sarah, and you don't achieve it, where do you go? Mm. What do you do then? So the, you just need to be on the on the consistent build, always trying to get better. And Cookie, I think what Cookie would have liked to have said, but you do only have so long in a, in an interview that look, we want to make it. If we don't make it, so be it. It'll be disappointing, but we'll keep trying to implement the things we need to implement. I've been there. I've seen it. It takes time. You know, we're, I've been at Geelong where it took us a while. We almost sacked a coach. We decided to stick with yeah. him and look what happened. Now, look, are Carlton going to win three premierships in the next six years? Probably not. But are they any closer to winning a premiership if they get rid of the coach? No, they're further away. They're further away. And they're probably worse now with Michael Voss than what they were with David Teague with a better squad, with a better list. So the Blues are now 4-7-1 with Essendon to come. The Ds are now 8-4 and four with Collingwood to come. That's the King's birthday clash. Mm. That's going to be a pretty big litmus test, I would say, for the Ds, who recorded a 17-point win over the Blues on Friday at the G. But are they only just travelling, JJ? You talk about the eye test. Well, when it comes to the eye test with the Demons, what are you seeing? Similar, similar. Just some of their – a couple of their – elite top-end talent are playing to their capacity. Petrarca played to his capacity in the final term. Max Gorn played to his capacity. He had a bit of a almost night. And I think he's probably suffered a little bit from being selfless and allowing Grundy to to have a bit more time around the ball. And Grundy's centre bounce work has been really, really good. So I think Max's game, I heard the commentary on Friday night that he's been a bit off. I think he's probably been a bit off because he hasn't had that real consistency of I'm the Ruckman all game. And the Ruck's a position where you build into the game. It's you against your opponent. It's the only position left on the ground where it's you and him. And you you can work your way into the game. So I think the difference in the game was basically a couple of Melbourne stars standing up when they needed them. Petrarca was dominant all night. Mm. Gorn stood up in the last quarter and kicked a couple of big goals. And that was the margin. You know, three goals was the margin. So that's what it took. And... If we can just deal with it now, James Harms will miss this game. He's been suspended, unless they challenge it, for a, a bump on Matt Cottrell. And Jordan Ngoi will be sent straight to the tribunal. He'll miss at least three matches for his high bump on Elijah Hewitt. Um, it might have missed four matches, but either way, he won't be playing King's birthday. So, you know, two outs, but clearly Collingwood's out's bigger than 
Melbourne's out. The D's are hopeful that Michael Hibbard will be back as well. He was managed. And Clayton Oliver, I think, is also mm. slated to come back into that side. You mentioned Collingwood and how it looks like they will be missing Jordan Dugowie because he'll likely be suspended for, what, three to four weeks? He will be suspended for three weeks yep. at least. It might be four weeks, but he will miss at least three weeks. Um, Pat Lipinski, Dan McStay and Jamie Elliott are also all likely available for King's birthday. Well, so- Lipinski's a good one for them because he uh, he played a really important role for them last year. So interested to see whether he can, you know, not expecting him to just jump in and do the exact same thing. But as a forward coming up, he just adds to that large group of players they've got who can play half forward, wing, inside mid, half back. And they've mm. got a big group of those guys. And it's hard to plan for them because you don't know where each of the individuals is going to line up. Just when it comes to some outs for Collingwood as well, there was a little bit of carnage yesterday when it comes to on the field. Bo McCreary, he was subbed out with that ankle concern. Yep. Will Hoskin Elliott and, and Ash Johnson had that that really severe corky. What's yep. the latest there? Well, they've got a um well they've got a nine day break now. So uh, Craig McCrae said that McCreary would be touch and go. Um, they're expecting that Hoskin Elliott is likely to be okay. Um, and the reality is with Collingwood, they've got those guys coming back in, but the one that's going to hurt the most is Dugowie. And There was a few injuries yesterday actually as well. I mean, Jack Silvani on Friday hurt his hip. Um, Ash Johnson had that court lead that you spoke about as well. And we haven't even discussed Tom Dodie as well mm. for Adelaide, yeah. which could be an ACL um, he ruptured his left ACL in 2019. He missed the whole season. This is his right leg, so that's good. But scans will tomorrow determine whether it is the same diagnosis but on the other leg. So we're hoping it's not an ACL, but we just don't know at the moment. The club's, um, the club's keeping very quiet because they're not sure either. Mm. Big, big loss for them. But um, it would also heighten his situation over there in Adelaide, wouldn't it? You know, I can imagine if it comes out that it is an ACL and we hope it's not, then... Because he's lo- out of contract as well. Restricted free agent yes, or unrestricted? Is. No, restricted. Restricted free agent. Yeah. Basically the same basically, thing, isn't it? Unless, so, unless it's Dangerfield or Jeremy Cameron. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, if he does miss the year with that knee, and again, we hope he doesn't, but if he does, then I guess it uh, will really heighten the focus for his decision uh, moving forward. Well, when it comes to today, to today, I should say, the Giants, they're taking on the Tigers at Giants Stadium and GWS CEO Dave Matthews has been good enough to give us some of his time ahead of that match. Dave, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Sarah. How do you see this battle? It's a battle between Tim Taranto and his old side, but it's also a bit of a Matthews Cup. <laughs> I actually just got out of the, the car. Simon was sitting with me and I said... <laughs> He said, start your interview now. I want to participate. And I said, no, no, we'll pull up, we'll pull up and, uh, and I'll have a chat to the guys. But, yeah, he's, um, it's always good to have him up. He stayed with us last night and, and uh, we'll watch the game together today. So, yeah, it's, it's going um, to be interesting because I think, yeah, obviously, we're, we're both sides have got a few players out and you know, it's a very important opportunity to win for both of us as well, given the state of the season. So, yeah, expecting a, expecting a very competitive game. Dave, Tom Morris here. Thanks for joining us. How do you read the Giants' season so far? I think we've been really competitive, Tom. I think you can see that Adam Kingsley's trying to put a, a, a different stamp on the way that side's playing. And we've been in most games. I think we're probably, uh, other than Collingwood, you know, I think a game probably against West Coast was a bit disappointing. But other than that, we've lost some, some close ones that we've been in. Um, but we've won a couple of rippers as well in including uh, the cross-town rivals, the Swans, and then, and then Geelong last week. So I think our best is good enough. Uh, and the game plan, when it holds up, um, it is certainly keeping us in games. We just need to try to, I think, as Adam Kingsley would say, get a bit more reward for effort 
Dave, um, Josh Jenkins here. Good luck this afternoon. I'm keen to ask you about last year. You were aggressive uh, in the trading space to to acquire the the number one pick. Do you feel like as a as a club you still want to uh, amass as much sort of elite talent as you possibly can, or do you feel like on the back of a win like last week against the Cats and uh, the wins that you mentioned previous that you you only need to find more specific uh, spots on the ground or players to fill those roles on the ground. What, what Where do you sort of see the group at the moment? Yeah, it's a good question, Josh. I think over the last couple of years, Jason McCartney in particular has done a pretty good job just rebalancing our list a little bit. I mean, obviously you don't like to see players of the calibre and character of Tim Tarano and, and Jacob Hopper uh, leave the club, and they were certainly enjoying their time at the club and in Sydney. But in saying that, you've also got to prioritise you know, where where you've got your depth and where you might need some depth. And that, that was really the, the main reason behind chasing down at the pick to get Aaron Cadman. And I think we've probably seen in the midfield group that it hasn't it hasn't cost us too badly in terms of the opportunities that are now provided for people like Tom Green. So, yeah, I, I guess the, the end of your question there about prioritising more specific needs on the list is where we're at now. I think our list is really starting to sort of normalise. So does that read as, okay, we've got two top 10 picks potentially with your pick and then Richmond's, and then if Himmelberg goes, you'll have another pick in the top 20. Could you trade a couple of them to get up to pick one again and Harley Reid could be on his way to the Giants? Well, I think Jace has done a great job in actually putting us in positions where you know, we're, we're sort of watching and waiting for the, an opposition club's early pick. We were lucky that uh, you know when Collingwood, we had that pick from Collingwood oh. that we were able to, and that, that was a year where they... They finish low, and you know Richmond's having not a not not their best season, but that's that's against a very very high mark in recent in recent years, as we know. So, look, the short answer is you can never have too many early picks. Really, it's what you do with them and what you convert them into. But I think that's um, yeah, that's the point that last year what what we achieved in in trade period is potentially achievable again. So, um, yeah, we'll be aggressive again. We're also very confident that we will retain Harry Himmelberg. Yeah, he's an academy product. He's a he's a critical part of our of our culture of our club, and obviously a very talented player. So we're optimistic there. Can I ask you about a broader issue at the moment? Um, we know that the AFL is looking for a new GM of footy. Brendan Gale's name's been mentioned at the moment. Laura Kane's doing that job, I guess, on an interim basis. I assume that she's also in the running to get that full time. Um, you've got a director on your board, Jimmy Bartell, who has been on the record as saying that he would love to do that role, and yet we still don't have that role being filled yet. And I know that's agitated some other clubs because there's just a lack of certainty around League HQ. Um, two, I guess a two-part question is, A, why hasn't it been filled? And B, do you think Jimmy would be able to do that role? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the first domino has fallen, as we know, with the, with the, I guess, the nomination of Andrew Dillon as the incoming CEO, and he spent some time last week in Sydney with us, and 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 we gave him a bit of an update on where things are up to. We think in Sydney generally, but also at the club, and and some things we probably want to propose and pursue with him down the track when he eventually takes it on full time in his own right. I think with that domino falling, obviously they've advertised for that football role, and yeah, when you talk about Jimmy Bartel, I mean he's as well credentialed as anyone. In the, in the competition for a role like that. Uh, I think the fact that he's actually gone out and explored uh, opportunities to look at you know, the Brisbane Lions list strategy and then taken on our director of footy role, he understands, therefore, what's going on in the expansion markets of Queensland and New South Wales. And 
you know, that's obviously set against the, the pedigree of Brownlow medal, premiership, Norm Smith medal. He sat on the match review panel. Um, and I think most people really laud his opinions and his insights when he's performing in the media. So, you know, he's, he's done a fantastic job for us so far. And, you know, whilst you wouldn't necessarily want to see him depart our board, for an opportunity like that, we'd certainly be um, very supportive. I think he'd be outstanding. Dave, just a quickish one on uh, Tassie. Uh, do, is there enough talent? Do, uh, teams uh, heard Jason McCartney be vocal about uh, you guys uh, only being able to select certain players, players from certain parts of the country. Is there enough talent for us to, to, to launch into a new team? Forget about the nostalgia of Tassie, and we all accept that it's a great thing, but from a talent point of view, where do you sit on that? Uh, again, I think it's a, it's a really topical issue for the industry to think about because it... I guess a lot of the time it gets talked about as, is this going to dilute the, the talent pool? And I think that's just not the way we should be looking at it. I think what it does is it, it means that we should be prioritising the growth of the talent pool in markets that we don't currently have a big enough share. Sydney being the primary one, I think there's a stat at the moment, I think that 15 of the 800 men's players come from come from Sydney or, or the surrounds. I mean, that's Australia's biggest city. It's just not enough. So I, I guess the What's self-evident is that we've still got a national competition that's largely based on a southern-based talent pool. Um, and that's not sustainable, I don't think, going forward in the sense that you've really got to accelerate the growth of the talent pool out of 54% of Australia and New South Wales and Queensland. And we, and we talked a bit to Andrew Dillon about that last week and we said, you know, we've got to probably, as a game, think about the sort of um, levers that we either have in place or we can change or adjust to free that pipeline up and, and the most obvious example for us at the moment is the bidding system in Western Sydney um, on our academy players just Dave, doesn't make sorry, sense. I'm going to have to wrap you up there because we're going to a hard break but thank you for joining us and good luck today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank Dive you, Dave. CEO, Dave Matthews. Welcome back to Sunday Crunch Time. Two kind of strange results yesterday when it comes to the Pies and Eagles and the Power and Hawthorne. West Coast getting to within 14 points of Collingwood before Craig McRae's side really put their foot down in the final quarter, kicking nine of the last 10 goals. Got a bit of a habit of doing things like that, Tom. But mm. really, the the biggest talking point out of the match, it's sentence on Jordan Tagoe. Yes, and he will get a three-week ban at a minimum at the tribunal for this bump because it will be graded as careless, high contact and severe impact because the young West Coast player, Hewitt, was, uh, was concussed. So he'll miss King's birthday in two games after that. And he might even miss a fourth game, depending on how they argue it, at the tribunal. If you can compare it to Tom Stewart and Dion Prestia last year, it wasn't as late but it was the same, similar outcome with a concussion. So that's not good news for him or Collingwood, but the rules are pretty clear. If you elect a bump and you get the player in the head and that player is badly injured, then you're facing a substantial stint on the sidelines. I will say about Collingwood West Coast and Port versus Hawthorne, Hawthorne the games are quite similar. Yes. The, the lower teams looked completely gone early. At one stage, it looked like Port Adelaide was going to um, kick a double century. Yeah. They were 105 or 108 at halftime. Um, sorry, 16-9-105 at half time. But in the second half at Adelaide Oval, um, the Hawks won 73-46. to So it was an incredible turnaround. And West Coast was the same. They looked completely gone early against Collingwood and then came back and played some good footy with two rotations on the bench. I think that's – you can put that down to the, the team out in front, just foot off the accelerator. You know, Hugh in the rack kind Start of to think, you know, I'll leave a contest a step earlier than I would have when the game's nil all. So um, not – Hugely surprising. And also, again, 
to further to what we spoke about with the competitiveness of the mm. competition, you, it, it just shows if you start to take your eye off the ball or your 5% off, then, you know, West Coast or Hawthorne can jump up and surprise. So um, comprehensive wins by both and uh, have plenty to talk about, particularly Port and their forward line and their mix and the way that they... Yeah, what do you think? Well, I mean, Charlie Dixon's not in there and for the last... I don't know, five years, he's, it's been Charlie or bust, really, hasn't it? Mm. Not necessarily the goals, but the targets. To me, they look a bit more uh, – they, they look more functional without him. So Marshall, Finlayson, uh, I love the look of Lord, the yeah. young guy. He's he just moves. He just moves like a good player. Mm. Um, happy to buy some stock in him straight away. So those three are the bigs. And then you've got a really um, wide net of smaller guys. Rioli jumped up, and I think it was a good game for him yesterday. Sometimes you need those types of games where you get to, you know, you feel your boots a little bit and you start to feel good about yourself. And he probably has just been um, spluttering a bit in the first part of his port career, but he got going yesterday. You know, Rosie and Horn Francis and those guys moved through the forward line. Butters, they've been, they're all goal-kicking midfielders. So, I think they can bide their time with Charlie. There'll be a game where he's needed, but I think they can bide their time with what they've got. I mean, they've won, what, nine, eight so straight? So nine what's, in the a row. Need, what's the need to make a change? You think he might not necessarily be in Port's best 23? Well, you've got to think about the, the mix of their forward line. So Dixon on talent is probably in their best team. Yeah. But who does he push out? You can't just bring him in and move out a small because mm. then you are completely upsetting and upending the, the makeup of your forward line. So he either comes in for Lord, who I would persist with, uh, Marshall, not happening, and Finlayson can't happen on form, and they're different players anyway. So I I wouldn't feel the need to bring him straight in. I, I'm, he's a player who, at his age, more than happy to bring him back through the SANFL and let the guys who have earned the right stick it out. One thing Port has at the moment is selection integrity. Yes. Their captain, mm. Tom Jonas, was in the sandful this weekend. So I don't think Charlie just walks back into nah. that side nah. at all. I think Ken has it right. And mm. it's a big statement, though, isn't it? Putting your captain in the two-stop. Yeah. Um, Gary Ayres was dropped at Hawthorne in 1993. It's debatable whether John Walsfold was dropped at West Coast in 1998, but some people say he was, some people say he wasn't. It's not debatable that Stephen Canelio was dropped at GWS yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2020. Now, he wasn't dropped here, Tom Jonas. He just didn't get back in because he didn't play the week before. But I'm told he took the news very well. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a huge surprise to him. The coaches have been talking to him. He, he has been out of form. I think everyone's been saying that. But the big one is, if he's out of the team for three, four, five, six weeks, if he gets back in, does he just automatically become captain again? You know, it's, it's a really unusual situation for a captain to be out of the team via selection for a number of weeks. And yesterday, uh, Ollie Wines was the captain. And they're looking to win a flag this year, Paul. Mm. And the, the only way that Jonas gets back in, as I can see it, and I might be wrong, but as I can see it, is through injury. So there's no avenue back for him in the short term unless things go wrong for his teammates. And, and things do go wrong. They do, yeah. There's, there's issues, there's suspensions, there's all types of things that happen. But it is the only elephant in the room for them. And those that coaching group, that match community, they would have sat around for that long talking mm. about it. It would have been – because you don't want to – you don't want to – leave your captain out of the team or, or, or choose a team that doesn't have your captain in it. You just don't want to have, be in that situation. There was a lot of pressure on um, Taylor Walker when he was captain when I was there, a lot of pressure, and it was spoken about whether he'd get dropped or not. In the end, it was me who got dropped. I paid the price. <laughs> <laughs> I paid the price. Rightly or wrongly. Um, so, And Adelaide heightens that again. That, yeah. that, that environment heightens it. It would be 
the first thing spoken about, it would have been spoken about all week last week. Will Jonas get in? You know, will he be picked? Will he not be picked? Oh, I don't think he should. I think he should. All that sort of stuff. And I'm really torn on, 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 I guess, philosophically as your captain. Now, part of me thinks you do a lot of things right for a long time to become the captain. So, therefore, you must have a lot of credits in the bank. Mm. But then there also is that selection integrity. And if someone is straight up outperforming Tom Jonas in that same position, doing that same job, then just because he's been given a title earlier shouldn't prevent that person from playing. So it's a really difficult one. And they would have spent hours and hours yeah. on that. Are Port Adelaide now the second seed behind Collingwood? No, Brisbane. Brisbane still for, for you? Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the same as Josh. Even though Port Adelaide, you know what? Depends where the game's played. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be able to pick it if it was at the MCG. If Brisbane was playing Port at the MCG in a grand final, just like 2004, yeah. I, at the moment I wouldn't be able to pick who I'd, who I'd tip in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think it's important we mentioned Luke Bruce as well. 500 goals for Hawthorne. He's, uh, it's probably wrong to say he's crept up, but, you know, he's an, he's, he's an all-time great of Hawthorne now, certainly in the modern yep. era. Um and a three-time premiership player. He stuck with them. 271 games. He was captain. And he kicked five goals in a, in a bad loss. You know, it, he performed really well in a game where not many Hawks did, especially for the first half. He uh, stays a Hawk now. Like, he's probably yep, sure. time. His window to, to move along like Gunston has probably come and gone. Uh, Mitchell Lewis, the best key forward in the game that's not in a winning team. Like, he mm. is a seriously good player. I've been slow to his party. He is a seriously, seriously good player. Mm. Now, it is the bye round. Mm. So, Tom, we thought it would be a good chance, an opportunity to do a bit of a stock take for the sides that aren't playing this weekend. Mm. That's Fremantle, St Kilda, Sydney and Brisbane. You're going to kick it off with Fremantle. I am. So, six and five, the Dockers are. If they are not pushing for a flag this year, are we convinced they are building a list and a game style to challenge from 2024 onwards? Uh, convinced. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, essentially what I'm asking, are they on the right track even if this year doesn't work out? Yeah. 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 And your prediction for the rest of the year? Um, Do they play finals? Uh, their last few have been good. They, they've lifted lately. but Oh, yeah, their last few have been great. Mm. Um. They need. They still. The forward line's still a, a, a work on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's still a bit to play out for them. Yeah. A bit to play out for them, and and they won't be able to solve their forward line issues this season. No. So that's, that's my point. Might be what holds them back. Nat Fife. The two-year deal. Were you shocked? Um. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not shocked by the two-year deal. I mean, I saw what Kane Corn said again. I, I think a two-year deal is justified for Nat Fife if you have trust in his body and. The money that he's on now is not what it was. He'd be probably on half of what he was. It's quite simple. I know like Kane likes to uh, go on about the long-term deals or the length of tenure. Fremantle are dictated to by what someone else offers. Nathan, someone would have offered him a three-year deal. Mm. Now, if you want to call that silly, that's fine. But that's what someone would have offered. Therefore, Fremantle uh, basically got a decision to make. Do we let go our best or second best player in the history of the club? Or do we give him a two-year deal? And you know what? If he doesn't make it to that last year, then two Brownlows and a few All-Australians and a few Best and Ferris and one of our best two players, if we have to have him on our list and he doesn't play, is that the worst thing for someone who's done so much? That's no. Right. 
Yeah, that's right. It's okay. I also think we overrate the draft picks that you can get or the young player that comes in who might not ever make it instead of Nat Fife on the list. I prefer Nat Fife on the list than a player that might not ever make it who's 19 years old. Mm. And, and, and I think they've already shown a really uh, mature way of using him as a sub multiple times uh, in a row. Subbing him out as well has been a good move. I love Jai Amos. Yes. Mm. Uh, love him. But he's not going to be able – he's not big enough to be their number one. That's why I think they need to – they've got to – find a big uh, towering key for Now, I know they're hard to find, but they've got to find one. Sarah, did Freo play finals? I'm um, on the fence there. I'm going to go to St Kilda, though, who are seven <laughs> and four. Well, we all are. <laughs> I'm the, a no. I'm a no. You're a no? Okay. Yeah, At the not. same time, last year, Josh, St Kilda were eight and three, yet the consensus is that they are better placed in 2023. Why? Uh, I actually don't know if they are okay. better okay. placed. Uh, why are they? Because yeah. Ross Lyons a coach. This is the point. Yeah. Is that why? I think St Kilda fans are more bullish now than they would have been. They've got more last belief year. in what Ross can achieve. Yes. I think. Is that just purely because of Ross? Based Lyon? on what he did in two thousand and nine. Yeah. And ten. Yeah. Does that sound is that sound thinking? Yeah, but it sounds <laughs> footy, nostalgic. Footy fans. It? it sounds very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um they've got more what they do have, if you're gonna mount a case for for the yes, they've got more top-end talent, and that's what they needed to go after. They identified it. They said it. Um, Mateus Filippou, excellent young talent. Um, Mitch, Mitch Owens. Owens, excellent top-end talent. Wanganine Miller, excellent top-end talent. I've got plenty of time for him. So there's three that they didn't have, you know, this time last year in that team. Uh, Max King's come back in a, in a blaze of glory as well. So they've got some top-end potential A-grade talent that they didn't have on their list 18 months ago. Enough to play finals, mm. yeah. Um, no, I think they'll miss. Really? Except from seven and four. Well, they missed from eight and Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. Last. Yeah. eight and three. There you I, go. I, think, I think they'll play finals. I think they're in enough games to win 12 or 13. That, that, look, how did they lose last week? Yeah, no, that was that was a, that was a red mark against their name against the Hawks, especially. Yeah, but I, I still think they'll play finals. The Saints. I don't know how deep they can go. I also know that there's probably a little sugar hit with Ross Lyon early in the season. I, I think probably as the season goes on, it gets a little bit more difficult. Mm. Um, but they're getting their best players back, and Jack Steele hasn't been fully fit the last couple of weeks. So I'm still confident that the Saints are going the right way. But their fans are impatient. They're probably alongside Carlton, the most impatient fans in the league. Fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely One fair flag enough. to your name. Mine All right. Your dad was there at that flag. He was indeed. He was a 10-year-old. But uh, <laughs> that was Frio and St Kilda's stock take. We'll do Sydney and Brisbane next. And as we head to the break, it's time for a dabble with Josh Jeans. It's time to say hey to the social bet with dabble. Josh Jeans has joined us for a banter and a bet. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? Thanks, Sarah. Plenty happening on the Dabble app this week with the live streams, of course. Lots of sport to talk about. The NBA Finals, uh, the soccer. It's all happening, Lord Heath Shaw, and I know that you've been busy in the banter channels. Yeah, mate. I love to get involved with the people. Let's just see what they're thinking um, throughout the week because I do get sick of talking to you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I thought we were friends, but I know that there's something that's caught your eye in the banter channel, and that's about the uh, match review panel. Everyone's been talking about the tackling, the inconsistencies of the game. Seems to be um, going through all season, doesn't it? Uh, they've been consistently inconsistent, Josh, that's for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, a few players this week that have been reported and a couple got off and a couple didn't. Sicily didn't get off. Chera got reported, got off. Laird got reported, got off. Omira, it would have to be the softest one-week suspension you will ever see. But I reckon you tackle your daughter harder than Jago Amira did to get a week here. So 
Um, yes, there is an element we do need to protect the head because concussion is a um, a part of the game that is is not ideal at the moment. But bit of common sense, Josh. Come on, let's be thinking about where we're at here. You you preach it all the time. Common sense, common sense. How good we can go with our multis for today. We're looking at the GWS Giants. What a win last week um, for Toby's 200. I've gone Hogan 2+. plus. Uh, Bolter to get a few. I think it might be down there a little bit um, for Noah Bolter. And GWS, I'm taking them at minus 5.5. So I think they'll, they'll get the win by more than a goal. Possibly the most confusing multi I've ever heard. Um, but well done. Um, good luck with that one. I've got... Trent plus 11, maybe a bit of a lull after the great win last week down at Geelong. Um, Dusty Martin, two plus goals. There's not not a real good matchup for him there, so I think he'll kick a couple of goals. And Tom Green, who's been ever consistent throughout this year, I think he'll get 30 plus possessions against his old teammate, Tim Taranto. And of course, you can cover those bets. With one click, all you need to do is download the Dabble app, follow the Crunch Time AFL, and hit the Copy Bet button. Back to you, Sarah. See trending bets from profiles like Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, The Bev Show, and plenty of others. Get following Crunch Time and have a dabble. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblingonline.org.au. Crunch time. Was that you're doing, Tom? Because you are in a fit of laughter over there. Oh, I said, I just want to find a song that I know Sarah Ollie loves. An ace of bass, all that she wants is right up her alley. Oh, well, wow. thank you for that. Did you That's, enjoy it? Yeah, you put a pep in my step Good. this morning. We're continuing our stock take here on Sunday Crunch Time. We've gone through Fremantle and St Kilda. They are both enjoying the bye this weekend, as are the Swans and mm. the Lions. And, gee, you're going to kick us off with Sydney. I am. Five and six, the Swans, and I know they're very close to your heart, Sarah, but you seem to be in a slightly better mood this weekend because they're not playing. <laughs> um, no stress for me this weekend. Sydney, great. okay, Josh and Sarah, do injuries excuse Sydney's poor start to the season or should we reflect on an off-season where their list wasn't strengthened as the club's first mistake? Uh, yes and yes and uh, I think <laughs> the clubs, they played a really unique brand last year, one that no one else was playing and one that I think took teams an off season to catch up on. So I think they've mm. caught up on it a little bit. But injuries override everything. Spoke about it before. Like Rampy out and the next one in, it's not it's not a net equal, it's a loss. Mm. So when you have that all over the place, it is a loss. So um it excuses them for the most part. Yep. The the, the Swans are done this year, aren't they? They're not playing finals now. So I know they're five and six, but it's gonna be very hard for them to make the eight. So then the question is can they bounce next year? Buddy Franklin won't be there. You'd imagine they'd stock up in their defensive stocks. We don't know what's happening with Paddy McCartan from the end of next for next year. Sorry, he's contracted, but he's not going to play this year. Um, question marks about the midfield. There's been question yeah. marks about Isaac Heaney now for the first time, probably in his career. Sarah, you're the Swan supporter. How, <laughs> how do you assess where they where they are and where they're going? Well, I don't think you could have as many injuries to key position players next year as you have had this year. Mm. Like they haven't had a backline. Uh, Buddy Franklin has really been the only forward. And as we know, he's on his farewell tour. But I agree. I think there's some issues in the midfield. Um, The contested ball is just almost non-existent at times Mm. for the Swans. And I know up until last weekend, the only team to have conceded more points from stoppage was West Coast. Really? So the team anchored on the bottom of the ladder. So it is an issue for the Swans. They haven't really been that contested team for a few Mm. years now, but you can't be getting smashed at the contest. Their mids are small. Their mids are quite slight. Like Warner's 
Warner would barely weigh 80 kilos. Brobottom's sort of contested player, but he's not big. Parker's not a big guy. He plays combatively, but they don't have any big midfielders. No, and Errol Goulden is small and he gets Tiny. thrown in there. Tom Papley is small, small. and he gets thrown in there. So Heaney's right. got size, so Heaney went in and played on Crips last week and did a good job. Which was good, yeah. They need um, a Tom Green type they need big a big midfielder. They need a big-bodied midfielder. Mm. They need a Josh Kennedy-like midfielder. Yeah, Josh Kennedy. yeah. yeah played in the, the bush one. yesterday, actually. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably still going okay, Josh Kennedy. So they're not playing finals this year, Sarah? No, agree? I don't think so. No, yep. I think this – hopefully it's a mulligan for them. I mean, we've seen sides like Melbourne. They had a year where they made a prelim. Then they dropped to 17th and they bounced back with a really talented list. So mm. perhaps that's what, that's what we're going to see there. But what about Brisbane, JJ? Is there anything Brisbane can do between now and grand final day to convince us – they can win a grand final at the MCG. They don't have to convince me. I've been a uh, fan of the Lions all the way through. And uh, Gunston hasn't fired yet, but what I think he's helped, I think he's been a Monday to Friday guy for them, helping their synergy <laughs> of that of that forward line, you know, making life easier for Danaher and Hipwood and Charlie Cameron and being able to, you know, teach them how to play in a really um, efficient and, and, and flowing forward line. So, I I love what they've done. Um, it's not fair for people to say you can't impress me until you win on a big final on grand mm. final. They won a big final last year. They went to Melbourne and knocked the D's out, who were the premiership favourites about eight weeks before that. So um, I, I, I've got plenty of time for them. Plenty of time yeah. for them. I hope they do well. Yeah. It'd be great if they could win the flag, given where they were. Was it 2017 when they won five games? Mm. Uh, I know their percentage was good, but they won five games and they had a big bounce year. And, um, They've been successful. Like we judge, yeah. we only judge success on winning the premiership. They have been successful over the past five years. Yep. They've been up there the whole time. Yep. All right. Today's games for the TAC. Police reply quickly to texting drivers a message from the TAC. First cab off the rank are the Giants and the Tigers at Giant Stadium. Then Essendon and North Melbourne. They will round out round 12 action. This is going to be Tim Taranto coming up against his former mm. side, Tom. But is it really just... A draft order game. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, probably is in the end. I I like watching the Giants, though. I like what they're building, and I think they can bounce back next year. So I think what they're building is is pretty positive, Josh. It is. uh, I think the Giants will be well-versed on what they're coming up against. Adam Kingsley, of course. You'll know. Coaching from the uh, boundary, he did last week. Mm. I think that's the first time I've seen him down there. Yeah. It just helps him be a little bit more calm and... Uh, direction with the players down there. so No stress ball down on the boundary, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Giants to win for me. Yep. That's been the Sunday edition of Crunch Time for Round 12. Make sure you go into the podcast. If you want to catch up with Jack Lacostius and Dave Matthews, they were our special guests today. Gents, enjoy your Sunday. You too, Sarah. Enjoy yours. Mm, likewise. Been good to uh, be in the, flesh in the flesh too. Hopefully we can do it again soon. All the best.